Let's just go to the word of God, to the book of Mark chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Mark chapter 2. I wish again the young people, our children, would have been listening to this message. If you have children around you, bring them to hear this message because one of the biggest challenges that young people face today are the power of their friends and the power of influence. We have a new category of uh, people called influencers. And um, I'm afraid many of these influencers are influencing people in the wrong way. So today's message is simply entitled, Good Friends Will Carry You to Jesus. Good friends will carry you to Jesus. Let's read these verses and um, it will be um, quite clear why the title is as it is. The Bible says, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was bone of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And somebody say hallelujah. Praise God. May Jesus give us friends like these friends. Amen. May Jesus give us friends who will carry us to him determinedly. Let's talk about what happened here in Kafanaum. You see, the, uh, the writer, Mark, he does not specify who of these four people were, were who bore the paralytic man to Jesus. We don't know if these were family members, whether they were friends, whether they were just random strangers. They have no idea. But you see, if they were family members, the Bible often records this relation, whether they are, you know, brothers or, you know, uh, family members. Uh, the Bible often mentions this. But in this case, nothing is said. It's hard to believe that these are were just random strangers because why would they go through so much trouble to just find a, a random man who is paralyzed and go through the trouble of, imagine, uncovering the roof just to let him down to Jesus. And I... It wouldn't make sense to say that these people were paid, maybe. That's why they went through all this trouble. So I'm operating under the assumption, and so do many other Bible scholars, that these were good friends of this man who was paralytic, a paralytic. I want you to think for a moment about the kinds of friends that you have had since childhood. Would you join with me in this exercise? Just close your eyes for a moment. Think about your friends. Who are your friends? Think about the friends that you've had since childhood. What kind of friends were they? Who would you say today is your friend? Amen. You may open your eyes. <laughs> you see, Let's first talk a bit about friends. Who doesn't want to have a friend here? Anyone? I don't think there's anyone who says, I, I really don't want any friends. I, I can't stand friends. It's not true. It seems that even God said about Adam that it's not good for him to be alone. Notice the word alone. Some, you know, marriage is not just about uh, having a husband or a wife. 
and just having children and that. No, it's the original statement of God was, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's why God created the woman. So it's something about being, you know, about being, there's something about being lonely, alone, that God himself said is, is not the ideal way to exist. I don't want to argue with my maker. I know somebody may say, I, I just feel, you know, I'm happiest when I'm alone. All power to you. But normally, we, the human condition is such, we like to have friends. Why? You see, friends give you a sense of belonging. They somehow chase away the loneliness. They often accept you the way you are, and they're always cheering for you. That's what friends are for. Most of the good memories you have were always inevitably linked with the company of good friends, yeah? If you look at some of your old photos, besides family, you often have good friends. You rarely look at your photographs and say, hmm, I wonder who that stranger is there sitting with me in the restaurant. I, I wonder what I was doing with this person in the car. <laughs> so we normally, you know, good memories comprise of good friends, good company. And it's a blessing to have good friends. I think we can all say amen to that. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17 and verse 17, the book of Proverbs, chapter 17 and verse 17, the wise man, King Solomon said, a friend loveth at, at all times. See, a friend loveth at all times. And the brother is born for adversity. Praise God. A friend loveth at all times. Amen. May Jesus give you friends who will always love you. At all times love you. In Jesus' name. You know, Job, when you think about Job, he actually had uh, good friends. Yeah, The moment they heard that Job was in trouble, they came from afar. When they saw his condition from afar off, they began to wail and cry and, you know, threw up dust in the air. And they were so devastated on his behalf. But you see, after some time, Job called them miserable comforters in Job 16, verse 2. Um, these friends forgot to love at all times. Even the Lord was not pleased with them. Why? Because they dishonored the bonds of friendship. You see, if you don't know what your friend is going through, or what the reason is for their suffering, we should be careful not to accuse them of something that we don't have any evidence for. Ah, you must be a sinner. Job protested his innocence. He didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't need to hear this from his friends. He needs Love, he needs comfort. And the Bible says in Job chapter 32 and verse 3, Job chapter 32 and verse 3, also against his three friends, his wrath was aroused because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. So God himself was not happy with these friends. That's not the way to be a friend is what God is saying. A friend should not condemn when you don't know what the problem is. So, having spoken a little bit about friends, and I hope your life has been rich in having these kinds of friends in Jesus' name. May God give you such kinds of friends that King Solomon talks about. Hallelujah. Because it's a great blessing when we have friends who love at all times. Amen. Remember this word, uh, this phrase. Lo a friend loveth at all times. Praise God. 
You see, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because this paralytic man who could not even sit, he was confined to a bed. Surely there was a time when he could run with his friends, he could play with his friends, he could laugh with his friends, he could move around with his friends. I say that because when Jesus healed him, Jesus told him, go and he said, your sins be forgiven. Yeah. And he was okay. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. In other words, some sin in his life reduced him to this condition. God have mercy upon us. Sin is our biggest enemy. Don't worry about things like cancer. Don't worry about things like uh, diabetes and other stuff. I mean, do your best to live in such a way that, you know, you don't uh, live carelessly and uh, become susceptible to diseases that we can uh, avoid. But some things just come. And that's just the way it is. But I'm speaking now about Sins, sin that causes diseases. Sin, the sin that made this man a paralytic. See how terrible sin is. See what sin did to the friendship among these people. Sin devastates. Sin is not to be trifled with. But despite the fact that this man was devastated by sin. Sin brought him low, uh, brought him into this condition. Yet, his four friends did not abandon him. Hallelujah. That is how you know that this man had good friends. Amen. And praise God. You know that you have good friends when because of your sin, your life is ruined. You're confined to a bed. And instead of your friends being embarrassed by your condition, they carry you to Jesus. Oh, praise God. May Jesus give us friends who will carry us to Jesus. Where can we get such friends? <laughs> who will not abandon us when we make mistakes. But they will say, no, we're not going anywhere. We used to laugh together. We ran together. We jumped together. We climbed trees together. And just because you are a paralytic now, we have no plans to abandon you. We will take you wherever you need to go so that you will be healed. And these friends knew the address. They knew where to take their friend. May Jesus give us such friends. May you be such a friend in the name of Jesus. Can we just, I feel to pray. Can we just pray for a moment? It's easy to talk about these friends, but the question is, what kind of friend am I? What kind of friend are you? Instead of just saying, I'm going to abandon this friend because this friend is sinful. Maybe we should be like these friends. They refused to abandon their friend. They said, we, we are going to be here. We'll take you to Jesus. Jesus will fix you. Jesus will heal you. In Jesus' name, can we pray for ourselves? Lord Jesus, we pray for ourselves. We feel uh, challenged by the example of these four friends. They were truly faithful friends. They loved at all times. They did not abandon their friend. They were not embarrassed by his condition. But they stuck by him, all four of them. And they carried him to you, Jesus. And you rewarded their friendship. You rewarded their love for their friend. You saw their faith. I pray that we will be such kinds of friends, Jesus. That we will not abandon our friends who've sinned maybe against you, who've backslidden, who no longer share the faith that we share, no longer attend the church that we attend. 
Help us to love them still. Help us to be ready to carry them in Jesus' name to you. Help us in Jesus' name, we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. May Jesus make you one of the four friends of the paralytic to carry your friends to Jesus, amen. These four friends, see, they were not the ones perhaps indulging in whatever sin the paralytic indulged in because they would have received the same punishment. But now, once their friend has become a paralytic, he cannot sin anymore. Now, what, what kind of sin can you do if you are confined to a bed? You can still sin in your mind, but uh, your body no longer will be a slave of sin. So these friends, they knew that it is sin which has devastated their friend. I say this because otherwise they would not come near Jesus. People who came to Jesus for healing knew that Jesus will tell them, sin no more. Go and sin no more in Jesus' name. They brought their friend to Jesus. They already repented in Jesus' name. We know they must have repented. Otherwise, you don't come to Jesus if you are not repented. Jesus will expose your sin. Jesus is God. Jesus is holy. A sin runs away from Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, sin is attracted to Jesus. At the same time, it runs away from Jesus. Attracted because it knows. The sinner knows the only place I can get rid of my sin is with Jesus. Do we have sin? You should be attracted to Jesus. Amen. We shouldn't say, you know, Peter told Jesus, go away from me. I'm a man of sin. No. That's why Jesus came. He came for the sinners. He said the physicians, are the, the sick have need of the physician. Do you know that doctors are attracted to patients? Amen. And patients are attracted to doctors. <laughs> Imagine a world where there's no uh, patients. I mean, we don't need doctors. Imagine healthy people going to the doctor. The doctor says, stop wasting my time. I work for sick people. I'm attracted to sick people. The sick are my friends. The sick give me a job. Hallelujah. Jesus is attracted to sick people. Jesus is the friend of sick people. Sin belongs with Jesus, not away. When I say that, what I mean is you bring the sin to Jesus. Where did the children of Israel, where did they take their sins? Say to the temple. Say to the tabernacle. They took it into the temple where the glory of God is. God himself said, bring the sin to the temple in Jesus' name. So, when to be good friends, because today I'm talking about these four friends who carried the sick man, this paralytic man to Jesus. They did not run away from him because he's a sinner. No, they said sin belongs to Jesus. Only Dr. Jesus knows how to deal with sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So we should help our friends. We shouldn't abandon them. We should take them to Jesus. I like their number. The number of these people was four. Praise God. One thing this tells me is that this man was clearly quite popular. Who knows? Maybe he had many, many, many more friends. Whatever it was that made him popular, the, the good news is four friends did not abandon him. You know, if two is better than one, then surely four is better than two. Amen. Let's read from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. But if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him. Praise God. So, to repeat, the paralytic 
was in a sorry state. But the man had four solid and faithful friends who did not abandon him when his physical state deteriorated. The more friends we have, the easier it is to be carried to Jesus. Amen. These friends were in one mind, in one accord, in unity. They said, there's one place we're going to carry to, to Jesus. May we have many friends who carry us to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the best investments we can ever hope to make in this world is in friends who will take us to Jesus. I need to find friends whom I can take to Jesus so that, God forbid, but if the day comes that I'm weak and I backslide, they will take me to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You see, whatever a person sows, that is what you will reap. I pray we will sow to friends that we can take to Jesus so that when we need them to take us to Jesus, they will take us to Jesus. We ought to surround ourselves with as many such friends as possible. Philip was a friend of Andrew and Nathaniel. And they were all from Bethsaida. The Bible says that these people, when we read the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 44 and 45, John chapter 1, verses 44 and 45, the gospel, the Bible says, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You see, these friends and brothers carried each other to Jesus. Amen. They, their friendship was such that when they found Jesus, they were very eager. to. They did not rest until they found their friends and their brothers and carried them to Jesus, so to speak. They were not going to go to Jesus alone. When they found Jesus, they went to find their friends, their brothers. Said, Come, we have found him. Praise God. May we have such friends who, when they find Jesus, will not abandon their friends. We who have found Jesus, why do we keep witnessing to people? Because we are good friends. Amen. We want to go back and Tell all our friends, come, we have found him. Let me help you. I want to carry you to this Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Their bones were unbreakable before and after they met the Lord. That means even before these, uh, shall we call them friends from Bethsaida, before they met Jesus, they were solid in their friendship. And when they found Jesus, they were determined to continue their friendship under Jesus. A friendship which cannot come to Jesus is not friendship. A friendship which cannot submit to Jesus is not a good friendship. Hallelujah. If you cannot take your friends to Jesus, they are not your friends. If your friends cannot take you to Jesus, what kind of friendship is that? You see, when you think about Ahab, King Ahab, the man was evil. His wife was evil. His friends were evil. You know, in Israel, in the north, everything was evil. It was so evil that the prophet Elijah thought he's alone. There's nobody with him. He has no friend. But you see, there was a king called Jehoshaphat. And this man loved God. 
was a righteous man. But he made one mistake in his life for which the Prophet rebuked him. And that mistake was he was friends with Ahab and that's there's nothing wrong with being friends with Ahab. The problem is you should bring your friend to God. Otherwise, this is no friendship. So he was always with him. What are they talking about? How are they loving each other as friends? When Ahab is evil, his wife Jezebel has filled Jerusalem, uh, I mean the north of Israel with the worship of Baal. We don't read that Jehoshaphat rebuked him. That Jehoshaphat told him, I can't be your friend because uh, I want to take you back to God. So this friendship had a question mark over Allow me to say this to you, especially young Christians in the church. I'm aware that many young Christians in the church have too many friends outside the church. As, minister, as a minister of God, I'm not going to tell you that that friendship is evil. Come out from it. Abandon your friends. No. But I will say to you, if you don't feel a burden to bring your friend to church and to Jesus, I think you better look again at that friendship. You better ask Jesus if that friendship is from him. Because those friends may end up doing to you what Ahab did to his friend, quote, unquote, jo Jehoshaphat. You know what he did? He told him one day, let's go to war together. And Jehoshaphat said, okay. And you know what Ahab told him? He said, why don't we exchange clothes, our royal garments? He was a cunning man. He was an evil man. This is not what a friend will do. He was a coward. He knew that the enemies wanted to kill him. So you know what? He decided upon, let them kill my friend, Jehoshaphat. But thankfully, God was the friend of Jehoshaphat. So God protected him. Because when the enemy surrounded Jehoshaphat, thinking that he is King Ahab, and Jehoshaphat shouted and he was almost killed, they realized, oh, he's not King Ahab. He's wearing the, the royal garments of King Ahab. And the Bible says there was a soldier who just wielded his bow at random and shot at random. And guess what? The random arrow found King Ahab. You can cheat your friend, but you cannot cheat God. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat's friendship with God saved him. But Ahab's enmity with God, God caused him to lose his life. The arrow will find the enemies of God. Elijah told Jehoshaphat, he said, how is it that a man of God like you is friends with a man like Ahab in Jesus? So, I hope some young people will hear, if not with the audience that we are used to, that we are ministering to, uh, God will speak to somebody in some other part of the world, corner of the world. We know people come into to download these messages from different, many different countries, and uh, may God give grace to the to the to the audience listening. When I say, uh, please revisit your friendship. If you love Jesus, if you're like Jehoshaphat, somebody who loves holiness, righteousness, um, make sure you carry your friend to Jesus. Amen. Otherwise, your friend may carry you somewhere else, as Ahab carried Jehoshaphat to the wrong place. Amen. Let's come back to our story. So, the next thing is, the four friends were determined to take their friend to Jesus. Let's say determined together. Say determined. A good friend must be determined when it comes to Jesus. 
May God give us determined Christian friends who refuse to accept our paralytic condition. Refuse. I refuse to let you just lie here like a vegetable. You see, they got tired of staring at their friend's hopeless condition as they saw him degenerate each and every day. Like I said earlier, they must have remembered the good times when they ran, played, laughed with their friend. But now a dreadful disease had reduced their friend to a vegetable-like existence. They refused to walk away. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, this reminds me of King David. As a young man, he came to meet with his brothers to give them some food. And the Bible says he looked around and he refused to see the army of Israel reduced to a bunch of trembling, uh, cowardly, incompetent soldiers. David looked and said, no, 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 I, I am not going to leave this paralytic man called Israel. I'm not leaving. There must be a cause, he said. I'm not leaving this, this corpse called Israel. It begins with determination. Hallelujah. He was armed with faith in God and a sling. That was all he had, but that was all that was needed. And determination. To carry this paralytic called Israel back to the glory days of Joshua when no armies could stand against Israel. If one David could do this, how much more could four Davids do? Praise God. The paralytic man had four friends. All were equally determined. These friends were truly unstoppable. May God give us unstoppable friends in Jesus' name. Who when they decide to take us back to Jesus, nobody can stop them. Hallelujah. They grabbed each one of them one corner of the bed. <laughs> they took it up. They began to march towards Jesus. And when they came to the house where Jesus was, guess what? They saw crowds. They understood that um, this, it's impossible to enter the traditional way. By traditional way, I mean the door. Hallelujah. They consulted with each other. And they settled upon a radical idea. They said, we will enter through the roof. Praise God. Who says that we have to enter through the door? Praise Jesus. Amen. This is wonderful, isn't it? Even the Lord once said, anybody who enters except through the door is a thief. But you know, to bring sinners to Jesus, it is okay to be a thief. To come in another way. Praise God. To come to Jesus, you don't need to come in through the door. Come in through the window. Come in through the back door. Come in through the roof. But come to Jesus. Bring your friend to Jesus. Praise God. And that was the doctrine of these men. Hallelujah. And if the door, the roof doesn't open up, I mean, these guys were, today they would have even blasted their way through the they would, they would make an entrance one way or the other. Hallelujah. If there is, their belief is if there is no door, we make a door. Amen. But we must bring our friend to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, some people are so polite when they come near Jesus. Somebody says, excuse me, uh, Jesus is sleeping. Oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. And they go away. Not these guys. They would wake Jesus up. Hallelujah. They would scream, shout. They would fight everybody. They would, they would flatten that house to come to Jesus. They knew Jesus did not come to heal people in houses. Jesus was outside preaching in the streets, in the villages, in the fields, in the mountains. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, imagine if 
a doctor, a couple of doctors, a team of doctors are operating a patient in the operating theater, surgeons. And suddenly they look up because something is happening upstairs in the ceiling. Somebody is removing, somebody is drilling through the ceiling. I'm sure they would be totally shocked. They'll move out of the way because there could be debris falling, stones and tiles falling. These guys didn't care. That's what's happening. And imagine suddenly these guys lowering a body down and saying, surgeons, we need you to operate on our friend first. This is an emergency. Leave aside whatever you're doing. You know, it's, it's going to grab attention. Yeah. We need to come to Jesus in a way that grabs attention. That grabs the attention of Jesus. Even Jesus must have been sitting there with everybody looking up at the roof. These people stopped the message of Jesus. We don't know what Jesus was preaching that day. We don't know what he was saying. But what these people did became the message. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You see how wonderful Jesus is? We don't know the message he was preaching. But he allowed these people to become his message. He told Mark, write down what these people did. Don't write down what I was preaching. Because words speak louder. Actions speak louder than words. Praise God. Amen. Can we do something out of desperation and that becomes the message of Jesus? They gave the message to Jesus. It's not Jesus who said, go, lift, remove the roof, bring down the body. It's not Jesus. It's them. That What they did became Jesus' message. Hallelujah. Even Jesus was just a spectator. He's just watching. He's smiling. I mean, he's God. He knew everything that's happened. He kept quiet. Because he's trying to give us a message. Do you want to save your friends? Are you tired of being with friends and family members who sin has made them useless for the kingdom of God? Just like sin made this man useless. There are people who are healthy today. But they are paralytics in the kingdom of God. They are vegetables in the kingdom of God. Sorry to use this term. I'm not um, uh, you know, looking down or um, uh, denigrating people with any disabilities. I, I, under, I hope you understand that you know I'm sensitive to such a condition. I'm speaking about what sin can do to us. A person may be healthy, but sin can make them into paralytics. Are you tired of that son or that daughter or that friend or that carry them in the spirit in Jesus' name to Jesus? Don't accept anyone telling you to return. The master is busy. Hallelujah. Find a way to enter. It's speaking also about prayer. We have to keep persevering. Amen. You know, people can beg Jesus and fight until they get some small thing, material thing. How much more salvation? What will we do for salvation? Somebody saying, deliver me of my sin. I won't leave you. Give me salvation. Praise God. So, these people were determined, let's say determined, Thank God for friends who refuse to accept any hindrance that blocks access to Jesus. They did not consult with their paralytic friend. They only knew one thing, that they were not taking him back. That's all they knew. I'm not going back. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me. No going back when we come to Jesus. May Jesus give us friends who refuse to take us back to the world. May Jesus give us friends who refuse to take us back to our sins in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
Praise Jesus. God give us friends like Jacob. Jacob was willing to do anything to get the blessings of Abraham and Isaac. Anything. You know, Jacob did not know that there is a righteous way to seek the blessings of Abraham. So he was, you know, using his own hanky-panky and underhanded ways. Esau had everything. He didn't care. He treated it like rubbish. It was just a matter of time before God would cure the backs, the 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 under underhanded, you know, uh, crooked ways of Jacob. But how do you cure somebody who does not even value the promises of Abraham, who doesn't value salvation? Jacob was determined. From the time he left his mother's womb, he's determined to get the blessing of his brother. Hallelujah. Please be aware, brothers and sisters, there are many people who are determined if they could get what we have, and they will get it if we don't take care of what we have in Jesus' name. Don't lose your salvation. Hold on to it like Jacob held on to the heel of his brother in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I was sharing with the church in Norway a week or two weeks ago about the wife of Lot. My understanding is the reason the wife of Lot was turned into a pillar of salt is because she was supposed to have salt while she was in Sodom and Gomorrah. But she didn't have any salt. Salt is salvation. Salt was used to preserve meat in the old days. They didn't have refrigerators or, you know, freezers. So the only way they could preserve meat and keep uh, per perishable uh, commodities uh, from degradation, from corruption, was actually by packing it in salt. So when Jesus says, have salt in yourselves, what he's saying is, if you don't have salt, salvation, holiness, righteousness, then the society around you becomes corrupt. There is no salt to preserve the society. So what God is showing us is the wife of Lot and his family had no salt. That's what God meant when he said, if I find 10 righteous people, but there were, there were not even 10 righteous people. There was not enough salt in the family of Lot to preserve even 10 souls. God have mercy. Do you know the salvation that you have? The love for Jesus, the prayers, the faith. It is preserving your family. It is preserving somebody around you. Otherwise, the judgment of God would have come a long time ago. Jesus has not destroyed some villages, some homes, some places because there is still sufficient salt. It was outside of Sodom and Gomorrah that his wife looked back, you see, because she was corrupt like Sodom and Gomorrah. She wanted to go back there. And God turned her into a pillar of salt to tell us this lady should have had salt in her. Now this salt is of no use to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he left this as a, as a remembrance, as a memorial. In fact, when I drove around the Dead Sea area, I saw pillars of salt. Those of you who were with me in the Dead Sea area, you could see salt. It's as yes, if God is saying, have salt in yourselves or we will be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. God have mercy. Amen. So, thank God for salvation. What does salvation mean to you? What does it mean to me? I hope it means everything. 
I hope it means we will carry our friends and our friends will carry us and we'll never accept no as an answer. We will remove the tiles of the roof. We'll punch holes into the roof because salvation means everything. Jacob, what does salvation mean to you? It means cheating my brother. It means doing cheating my father. It means anything to get salvation. Hallelujah. Jacob, have I loved? God loves those who love his salvation. God loves those who love his identity. Are you still hungry for the salvation of Jesus? Do you still respect it? Does it still mean everything to you? Or have we lost our salt? Praise God. May God help us to have this love for Jesus and the gospel renewed each and every day. He's merciful. That's why he speaks to us like he's speaking to us right now. Have salt in yourselves. If the salt have lost, lost its savor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. I don't want anybody. You see, the wife of Lot was trodden underfoot. She's of no use. Her salt is of no use now. She became salt, but it has no power. God have mercy. May we go to Jesus for some salt. And we pray again for some salt. Lord Jesus, give us our salt back again, Jesus. Make us salty again with salvation. So we can preserve our families, our homes, our communities, our churches. Do not overturn our homes, our communities, our churches as you did Sodom and Gomorrah because there was no salt. Have mercy upon us. Give us back our savor, our fragrance, our, our taste in Jesus' name. Help us to preserve people around us with this salt. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. May God give you salt. I'll be concluding. You see, like I said, thank God for these friends who are determined. Thank God for the spirit of Jacob that said, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is basically what the four friends were saying to Jesus. We are not. This is just the beginning. If you don't heal our friend, we're going to follow you wherever you go. We are not going to give you rest, day or night, until you heal our friend. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. God is good. He never disappoints those who have zeal for healing, salvation. Amen. It was sin that reduced this man to this pitiful condition that he was in. We know it because in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Praise God. How wonderful. The biggest problem in our lives, brother and sister, is not cancer. It is not uh, diabetes. It is not some terrible disease, leukemia, whatever you may call it. It is sin. Amen. This is the diagnosis of, diagnosis of Jesus. Sin is the great enemy of good friendship. But the solution is always Jesus. Forgive us and our friends our sins, O oh Lord. Friendship can blossom and rejoice again through Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus can fix broken friendships. It was Jesus who blessed and restored their friendship again. Wow. I can only imagine how the friendship of these five friends blossomed and developed over the years. I'm sure over the years they sat together and they reminisced. They recounted the story many times of how 
They carried their friend to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. They must have laughed and praised Jesus and worshipped together. Amen. Jesus was in the midst of their friendship. Amen. Can you imagine the lives of these five people in the after that? <laughs> they must have laughed and said, uh, remember when we carried you to Jesus. Remember the expression on the faces of the people there. They thought we were crazy. And yes, we were crazy. But we knew Jesus would heal you and restore your health and our friendship. Praise God. Is your friendship broken? Let's go back to Jesus. He will heal it. Hallelujah. We have a song. We sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. But it's not only what a friend we have in Jesus, but what friends Jesus gives us. Oh, what friends that Jesus gives us. Amen. That's what these guys could have been singing. The, paraly the paralytic song <laughs> would be paraphrasing this man. Oh, what friends Jesus gives us. Praise God. What a friend we have in Jesus. And all what friends Jesus gives us. Praise God. May Jesus give you good friends. And may you be a good friend. Jesus is a good friend. May you carry your friends to Jesus. And may your friends carry you to Jesus. Amen. Can we pray in conclusion? I thank you, Jesus, for this message. You are the greatest of all friends, my God. A friend who loves at all times. You did not even call us your servants, but you called us your friends. Because you said the servant doesn't know what the master does. But we know what you do. I thank you for this message today. I thank you for friends who have carried us to you, Jesus. Those who witnessed to us. And over the years haven't left us or forsaken us. I pray that we will demonstrate the same faithfulness and dedication to these friends and carry many to you, Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. And may Jesus give us friends that carry us to Jesus. We bless you today for this message. Revive the friendships of your people in the church. Revive our friendship with you. In Jesus' name, we commit all of these things. And the church says, Amen, Amen. Jesus bless you. We thank God uh, for this message.